Hello, social workers, mental health professionals, and change agents. What is going on? Welcome to another episode of season seven of the Social Work Rants podcast. I'm your host, Bass Moreno. Saludos a todos. Greetings, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, tapping in wherever you are watching or listening to this podcast. I appreciate all the love and support. Gracias a todos por su apoyo. Keep rocking and rolling with the podcast on all social media platforms. On the YouTube, hit that red subscribe button on the YouTube, whatever videos, hit the like button on the videos, comment on the videos, rate, uh, share podcast episodes if you're more of an audio listener, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, hit, uh, rate the podcast, you know, download episodes, uh, tell a friend, tell a friend. So uh, thank you for everybody for rocking. Uh, follow the podcast on all, uh, again, on Instagram at the Social Work Brands Podcast. That's all one word. Follow the podcast on Twitter, X, whatever Elon calls it nowadays <laughs> at Social Work Rants. And then, uh, of course, hit that like button on Meta, aka Facebook. Uh, type in the Social Work Rants Podcast, hit that, that like button. And I already said about the YouTube, hit that red subscribe button. The subscribers uh, are coming along. Uh, nicely so again thank you for again uh rocking with with the podcast um so yeah we're gonna uh before i introduce my my guests i'm gonna do the uh disclaimer and also uh before i do the disclaimer uh want to shout out everybody that had purchased my my poetry book i know i haven't uh brought it up on the podcast much recently but my poetry book trying through pain how to maximize your full potential in hard times it is available on Amazon. I'll try to remember to put the link in the show notes so you can get a, a autograph copy, uh, ship them out directly from me if you're not down with uh, purchasing on Amazon. So, um, so yeah, we, uh, rocking and, and rolling. Um, my guess, uh, disclaimer this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Um, it is not a substitute for mental health therapy or any sort of mental health treatment. Um, if you're in need of assistance uh, in America, uh, there's different ways, uh, 988, call 911. If you have already have a therapist, contact your therapist. If you have a psychiatrist, uh, contact your psychiatrist, uh, ACT team, um, any means of help or, or go to your nearest emergency room. Uh, for all my viewers and listeners out of the United States, uh, wherever your emergency contact information is, contact uh, that uh, phone number or you can go to the hospital, get your get yourself checked out. It's okay not to be okay, but uh, we, we're here for you. And, uh, and again, uh, the podcast is, is not a substitute for your therapy. If you got a therapy appointment, uh, go to your therapy appointment. Uh, and get, get the help that you need. So my guest at this time, uh, Eric Morris, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Bass. Thank you for having me, man. No, no, of course. Um, I'm, I'm glad we could we could connect uh, with the uh, back and forth on the emails that yeah. I'm not the most organized person in the world, and and like I said, I'm a one one person show. So we still we still making making it happen. So I'm glad you we able to connect and. Uh, talk about you know your work in, in private practice and, and the uh 
the struggles that come along with, you know, with that, and especially dealing with insurance, and of course, uh, a big pet peeve of these grad of grad schools uh, not providing you know business fundamentals. That I've, I've talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast. And we'll continue to talk about it as long as uh, the social work grad schools continue not providing that sort of education for MSW students that they're trying to get into clinical work that they gear most students into the clinical work. So um, it, goes hand, it goes hand in hand. And I always think about um, my fellow peers, uh, people that, that I've met uh, who do private practice. And I, I think of them and they would be making a killing as, as we have a huge mental health crisis. We've been in a mental health crisis for even before COVID and COVID kind of to, went to another level and, and uh, people would be making uh, some good money when providing services, whether it be through insurance or self-pay or even offering like sliding scales, just providing the need there. And, and it just drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you, man. It's uh it's very frustrating. And so before we get 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 into into it with you, uh, uh, just uh, let the viewers and listeners know who you are, what you do, and, and uh, besides your private practice and, and social yeah. work. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, uh, my name is Eric Morris. I'm a licensed clinical social worker uh, down here in San Antonio, Texas, and I've been. I've been in a lot of spaces, you know, I, like, I think I sent you, I spent 26 years in the army before doing this. So this is like my second career. Thank and, you for your service, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, man. Um, and since my retirement and getting into social work, you know, I've worked for the government. I've worked for nonprofit. Um, I've worked for a local mental health authority uh, in a lot of different ways, you know, a lot of it around homelessness. Um, you know, I was on an act team doing mm. complex care and all those kind of things. And then uh, my clinical supervisor asked me to come uh, on a contract and do some private practice therapy for her. And then since then, you know, I, I launched my own practice. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, you know, most of the folks I see, you know, I see veterans, obviously, because there's a pretty good connection and like that work is like, it's not easy, but mm -hmm. having that uh, shared lived experience makes it uh, more conducive and compatible to the folks that are coming, right? Which also translates into first responders and, and those folks because the, the communities and the cultures are, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, so I do a lot of work around trauma, anxiety, depression, because those kind of float together. I enjoy the serious mental illnesses, like, you know, uh, the schizo schizophrenia spectrum, wherever somebody may be, mm -hmm. um, bipolar, um, I've been getting some ADHD folks and then, uh, I really enjoy working with the LGBTQIA plus community as well. Um and helping them 
through this system in this world that um, does a lot of harm, it, yes. you know, as we know. So yes. that's, and you're working, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. And you're working in, in, a, in a state that uh, does harm to pretty much almost every sort yeah. of population <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the state. So yeah, yeah. How 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 is that like you know when we talk about like the you know bring up kind of bring the code of, code of ethics and, and like yeah. everything that that that's been happening with uh, the governor uh, Governor Abbott in Texas um, I tried very very hard uh, not to go to Texas but I, there yeah. was a too too good of an opportunity to pass so I went I went in March. Like literally spent a weekend in Dallas, <laughs> went in, went mm-hmm. out, <laughs> and uh and, and that was it. And I, I'm glad I, I I did it. Um but you know, so between Texas and Florida, if I if I can help it, like I'm not I'm not trying yeah. to give my, my money to the, to those states uh in, in any way. What so going back to the quote, you know, kind of like all the ethics, you're a social worker, you know, you got a governor who seems like every, if not every day, at least like every week, every month is doing something in terms of harm for uh, not only his people, but obviously immigrations played a you know, huge part with Texas and he put those things in, in, in the water to for people not to go in the water and try to you know, swim yeah. swim over to into Texas. I was like, this guy is just I don't I, I still don't understand how, how he won the last the last election um beating Birdo, but uh how how does how does that you know you working as a social worker and you gotta deal with like the governor and his policies and and, to, and, and just overall just being a social worker in, te- in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Well one it's not easy, right? Um <laughs> because our ethics get challenged a lot by like the laws that are put in place, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, across the country. And like you said, more specifically with Texas and Florida and the things that are happening in the, in these two States. Um, So the, the great thing about being in private practice is I don't have to do what other people tell me. Right. So if I worked for an organization and they wanted to do things a certain way in order to follow whatever he was doing, right, then I would be subject to that. Right. Whereas private practice, I can be more aligned with the social work values and ethics and say, hey, like I'm here for the client and I'm here for the person. And, you know, one of the things I think with social work that is different a lot of times between us and some of the other disciplines in mental health is, you know, our charge of social justice in working and advocating to make change for the better of people. And part of that is to do things that are right that may also be against the law, mm-hmm. right? Not to say that I'm gonna I'm going out there and breaking the law, <laughs> but you know if if I have a client that is you know thinking about transitioning or you know 
talking about that or wanting to explore those things about transitioning, like I'm not going to do anything to put them in harm's way. Mm -hmm. Right. In whatever the way that is. Like I know um, last year they made, I think he, he put a law that said that it was like, if anybody had knowledge of a, a minor that was um, seeking medical services for transition or whatever, like they were going to consider it abuse. Mm. And so um, that was kind of really put onto CPS to say, Hey, like, you know, if somebody reports that, you know, a child is trying to transition, then it gets reported in abuse and you have to go investigate and all that stuff. And so there was people that were um, struggling with that. And, but being in private practice, I'm not like, that's a law I'm not going to follow, if you will. Right. right? I'm not going to tell the governor or the government about one of my clients that's, you know, transitioning, thinking about it, talking about it, doing whatever, and say, hey, like, I have to report this. Right. I know that there may be re repercussions for me and, the state of, of Texas may come after me as a social worker because I broke their law. Mm -hmm. um, but I see it more as an ethical and moral right of no, what's of best for the person. So um, that I think that's part of the challenge of, you know, the ethical dilemmas that we walk every single day doing this work. Mm. You, you, hit, you hit a nerve right there, the ethical dilemmas. I like that. Yeah, man. <laughs> it, uh, you know, that, when you go through. But that's true, though. I mean, it is a lot of you know, ethical you know, dilemmas. And, and just, it's been going on for, for, for so long. And it's like, I, I don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. So it reminds me of something. So I also, I do some organizing work with a, um, with a group, um, the large umbrella is um, showing up for racial justice. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of them or not. No, I never heard of them. Yeah. So it's a, it's a collection of white people that are working to, um, change things in, with social and racial justice, right? So an affinity group of white people come together to work in collaboration with other groups to change things for the better of everyone. So, you know, to find liberation. So there's another group that I'm working with that's part like connected to them. And um, a lot of the times when we have discussions about stuff like that, you know, we're, we know the system is, is rigged, right? And it, like a lot of people will say it's broken and, you know, I challenge folks, it's not broken because it's working the way it's been designed. All the stuff that's been done to make it the way it is, is exactly what was intended, right? So there's nothing wrong with it because it's not broken because it's the way it was built to, and it's operating the way it was built to operate. What we need is a different system, mm. right? And... So a lot of times uh, 
when we think about advocating and, and getting into these things and working for change, right? A lot of times it's, oh, I'm coming to do this thing for these people, right? I'm going to help out this group, right? When in reality, I'm also in need of liberation myself. And part of that is to say, my work for liberation is for me and the byproduct is it's going to help everyone else get liberated as well, right? In order for me to become liberated, we also have to liberate everyone. Like if no one is, like if not everyone is liberated, there's nobody's liberated, right? Um, so going back to that, um, that uh, I just lost my train of thought, so... <laughs> yeah um so so is that basically like so you said a, a organization um mainly white folks yeah you know, trying to help trying to liberate through liberation yeah but starting with with the group first or are they focusing on like the marginalized communities first and then like how does that work yeah well, so the group I'm working with, we're focused on poor and working class white men. Okay. Um, because they often get used by politicians. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. And then they don't realize it either. They're going to be in you. Yeah. yeah. Whether they're like, whether it's, um, you know, something like January 6th to incite people to come to D.C. and try to overthrow an election or just on a, on a campaign trail saying, hey, we're going to take care of the coal miners in, in Appalachia or, you know, the, the people in the hollers of Kentucky and Tennessee, right? A lot of those folks have no idea what anybody's saying about them. And frankly, they don't have the time nor the energy to really care because they're trying, like, they're trying to put food on the table for tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? Because they're scraping by. Because the system says, like, we, in order for, you know, the guy that owns X, or formerly known as Twitter, to be who he is, exploitation of that person that, you know, is in Appalachia, it's going to happen, right? In order for somebody to have a billion dollars or more, somebody else has to be exploit, exploited, right? Um, so working to help that group that in addition to everyone else's mark it has been marginalized and underserved right because one thing i've found along the way is the other communities like black communities and latino communities and indigenous communities they have the people and they know what they need and they know how to take care of each other and that's what they're doing they don't necessarily need me to come and save them right we've been doing like a lot of that has been taking place over the years to say hey i'm gonna come in and save you and um it, i always come back to this that something that malcolm x said in is, is completely paraphrasing essentially saying you know if if well-meaning white people want to do something, 
is go collect your people and help other white people realize and remove the veil of invisibility of what's taking place in the world and do something about that and to help uh, bring all of us along. Um, but do you, do you feel like it is has been been helping or are more people like kind of like oh, people from that group are like open to to that idea uh, or if it's been like they've been like kind of like maybe brainwashed from what's been happening like no no you know like a lot of people like I mentioned a lot of, not all of them but a lot yeah. you know kind of had this stereotype of just being like poor not not educated and um, mm-hmm. A lot, most of the poor people are are white people, and then like these yeah. like, rural towns and rural areas, and and you know they're not not getting not not getting yeah not getting like the supports that that they need, and it kind of like people like assume okay you're white you'll be you'll be all right, and they're like struggling uh-huh. like everybody else. Yeah. Um, have you seen from your work they kind of like kind of opening their eyes and kind of see like okay maybe there there is something to it or they're kind of or they're in between like what are you saying yeah there's there's definitely you know the the hard part for this work is it, it's never going to happen on social media right going on twitter and facebook and instagram and all those places you're never going to be able to affect a great amount of change because people could sit behind keyboards and like there's so much distance and so much communication that's removed from people having a relationship and communicating, right? Um, so it takes work of people going to those places, going to Appalachia, going to the holler, going into these um, small towns and having conversations and sitting down and saying, hey, like what's going on in your life? And what can we do to help make this better? And do you know why that this is happening to you, right? Like the truth of why it's really happening, not because somebody's trying to swim across the Rio Grande, right? But because somebody is trying to, you know, uh, drag race in outer space, essentially, right? People are, you know, trying to, build these rocket ships mm-hmm. and be the first guy to Mars. And meanwhile, there's people that are starving and losing their life because they don't have the basic necessities. And it's not the guy coming across the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going in person and sitting down having conversations, hearing stories and, and all of those things of where it happens, you know, kind of like the work that we do, right? The magic of our work and the therapy and sitting in a room with somebody going through the, the some of the most difficult stuff they've had in their life is it's the relationship mm-hmm. and holding space for another human being, right? And truly hearing and seeing them for who they are and working to make their life just a little bit better, right? Because we can't solve everyone's problem overnight, but we can make maybe today or tomorrow just that 
just a little bit better than it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the same thing with organizing. It's going to people and having conversations, sit down, talking with them and saying, what can we do? Like, let's build a community together with everyone to get what we need. And that works. No, I, I I like the, the concept to, to it because yes. it, it definitely uh, communities definitely need to you know come together like we yeah. we all we all went through pandemic together. There's a whole yeah. kind of collective of PTSD that <laughs> that surrounds it, and like yeah. as a, as of April this year, the government is like they wipe their hands clean. All right, the the, the COVID's the, over. The, <laughs> yeah, the COVID, COVID emergency is like it's over, and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so it's yeah. like, and then I've you know, I've had episodes. Okay, what does that mean? Is the people gotta reapply or renew their Medicaid because they're about to be cut off? <laughs> so it's like that's one of the main things. Yeah. Um, uh, on and on top of other stuff that the government doesn't for a reason doesn't talk about it so um does that like affect kind of like what you do in terms of like the private practice have you seen like anything no regarding that um yeah you know that it's really difficult for us to separate the different parts of ourselves, mm. right? To say like, um, I'm only a veteran this time in this place, or I'm only a man here and there. I'm only a social worker or a therapist over here, right? I'm all things all the time at the same time. Um, so being a social worker, an organizer, a therapist, a business owner, uh, somebody in private practice, I'm all of those things all at the same time. So I, there are times like I'm that person in every space. Um, and depending on who the client is and what's taking place in their life, right. Those conversations may take place. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't bring that in there to say, Hey, like, this is like, that's my, like, I have an agenda. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I don't. Right especially with the clients that I'm seeing for therapy, right? They have real significant problems, whatever they are in their lives that they need help with in that moment. If it happens to connect with some of those other things, as we know with social work and a person in an environment is a very important thing, Mm. right? And so I also talk about that, right? Like, the environment that somebody is in the the system that we live in the the workplace that we go to has an effect on us has effect on our physical health has an effect on our mental health you know if you go to work and you have a boss and they're you know abusive or toxic that's going to have an effect on your mental health I'm going to talk about those things too because they also have an impact and an effect on why that person's sitting in, in 
my office in front of me. Um, and doing it in a way that's um, obviously person-centered mm-hmm. to their experience and what they're going through and bringing those things together. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, touching on something. How was that transition from you serving to being a social worker? Like, like how was that process <laughs> like? Um, you know, I, there are some active duty service members I have and even some of the first responders that I see, like some of them are close to like transitioning out of that into back to civilian life or whatever. Right. And my own experience in working with other people that have been through the same thing, talking to my friends and other people that I know that have been through it. Um, the transition from service, even with everything that's like, if everything was the best, right? Everything's lined up, it's all going like, well, I tell them it's going to be a shit show because there's things that are going to happen and you're going to go through things that you didn't even prepare for or know that were going to happen because there's unknown unknowns and you can't get ready for those. They're just going to happen. Part of that we talk about is the loss that take, that occurs, whether it's somebody that's ready to go, wants to leave and is prepared and is doing all the things to, to transition from service into whatever they do next, they're losing something. They're losing their ident- part of an identity, uh, a part of sense of who they are, right? Because one of the things I think that's uniquely different about the military and government service, even um, people that are first responders, whether it's a police officer, a firefighter, an EMT, whomever, right? It requires that person to put all of themselves into that, Mm -hmm. right? And the organizations even operate in a way that they consider you to be completely theirs. Like that comes first and then the rest of your life. So leaving that and transitioning to a, a way of life that's different is it can be it can be difficult and the loss of those things are hard. Um, one of the like one of the first jobs I had when I retired was uh, doing education counseling for the army as a contractor. And, you know, I, I've had several folks that, you know, they had spent over almost 30 years or more in the service and they were ready to go. They're like, Hey, like, this is a great thing. I'm going to go be with my family. I'm not going to work. I'm going to retire. I'm going to get some VA disability, whatever. And, then they break down crying because you take off the uniform and one of the things that's often difficult is you go from, you could be the greatest, best person. Everybody knows who you are and you do great, wonderful things. Then you retire, you take off the uniform and the rest of the society and the world 
especially like the VA system, they don't care. <laughs> like, okay, you're another veteran in our system that is overwhelmed and like get in line, if you will. Right. Um, and really the only folks that get like VIP treatment, if you will, are some of those folks that retire at the very top levels, like uh, a, a chief of one of the services or joint chiefs, you know, the people that you see on news from the Pentagon mm. all the time, or somebody that won the Medal of Honor, right? You have to be like a household name in America to get treated in a way that some folks expect us to be treated. The rest of us, you're just another number and another name in the system to get care. And you could have done great, awesome, wonderful things. And as awesome, and that's great. But part of that is the realization that you're, you're, you are a human being just like everyone else. Right. And like, it's, you're not going to, a lot of us are not going to get treated the way that we thought or sometimes even told, mm. right? Um, part of the, the difficulty with that transition is some, in some ways how, especially in our society in America and our country, they put veterans and service members up on this pedestal of like a hero mm. and all of those things. And I, I understand that on some level. And at the same time, a lot of us don't necessarily want to be put up that high. Like I'm just another person. And that was a job that I did for a long time. And it was very different and it was very specific. And I do believe that veterans should get the things that they're supposed to get like healthcare. Mm -hmm. And if you have a disability, get a disability and all of those things, because you put, you know, you basically say, Hey, I'm willing to put my life on the line for this idea. And so that those people should be taken care of and also not be idolized into this version of, of that, of a person that is unattainable that does not exist, <laughs> right? And I think that is the difficulty and part of the problem um, when veterans transition, because you get told this so much and so often and so much of the messaging of all of these things of, hey, you're great, you're awesome, you're a hero, you know, you got this high pedestal you're on and then you get out and you're treated just like everyone else. It's like, wait, there's a difference between what is being said and what is taking place it's almost kind of how we started the, the beginning how like yeah grad schools mm -hmm. were like gears to like private practice but without teaching the uh you know, the skills you for business for, for your business yep. and it's like the army he's like teaching you're gonna be great you're gonna put on this pedestal and it's like yeah constantly see um you know servicemen or former servicemen uh end up being homeless and like mm -hmm. you know needing you no know, assistance and you know, begging for money and uh, just uh care 
even with the VA is is not is not great or or what an expectation of what you should be with all the money that goes into mm-hmm. you know, the, know, the the part the department or military and all that stuff. So it's they always yeah. pump, pump pump all this money is like okay. So how how about you helping the former servicemen and like you said, yeah. like you serve basically risking your life and literally losing limbs and all this stuff and limping and all this stuff and it's like the least you could do is provide good adequate care for your servicemen. Yeah. Like, men and men and women and yeah. Like, I use the VA system and I don't have to because I'm retired. So I'm I can use the the TRICARE that I have from being retired, but I use the VA system. Um I started using it because I had clients that were veterans and like and I heard a lot of the horror stories. So I was like, well, I can I can use the VA system. Let me go check this out for myself and see what it's like and experience it. And there are like, it it is difficult. And, you know, like in San Antonio, there's one VA system. So all the veterans in this area, whatever the catchment that they fall in that belongs to the South Texas Veterans Administration have one funnel that they go through and everybody has to go through that. Right. So there are difficulties associated with that. And also, I do get what I need for my health. Right. I don't have to have, I don't have co pays. I don't have to pay for medication. Like, I don't have to pay for doctor's visits. Does it take sometimes a while to get scheduled for something? And does it take some advocacy on my part to the, to the providers or the system to say, Hey, look, I want, like, I need this. And like, I need to have this checked out and taken care of. Yeah. That, that does need to be, that does take place. And I also know for those folks like yourself that aren't part of the VA system and don't get that kind of care it how it happens out on the outside system as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like the difference is, you know, instead of a funnel, it's more like a, you know, a strainer, Mm. right? There's a lot of, there's a a lot of different ways. There's a bunch of different hospitals, clinics, doctor's offices, all kinds of places you can go to get the care you need, right? You don't have to be forced into one. Mm. You can pick and choose where you want to go. Obviously, depending on the, the insurance and financial situations and all the other stuff that goes into it right um, but that the the same the experiences happen the same as well so there are things i think the va needs to do better and there are there are things they're working on to make better and it's also not completely horrible like has been sensationalized and obviously, you know, it depends on from place to place. There are some VA medical centers that are much better than others and some that are worse than mo- most. So, um, but like yeah. I said, that, that could be said about anything else, any other hospital system. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere in the country. So, uh, yeah. kind of goes yeah. hand in hand. I, you know, I've had, uh, you know, a couple of social workers 
on the past episodes of the podcast. I work for the VA, and, and I've been told things. They're starting to get their, their act together a little bit, but you know, I've had clients you know, years ago, a couple of clients who were trying to navigate the VA system and just just the buildings alone where they got to go to, it's like, it's not state-of-the-art buildings. It's like kind of like run down, almost could be like yeah. con- condemned. And I'm sure some of those buildings have been like condemned and like, converted into like, like luxury condos now and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, th- this yeah. is going back like 2003, 2004, like working with, with a couple of veterans on, on my case. So, yeah. so it's compared to like now, like, like say it's still got a long way to go, but it's definitely, yeah. there's, there's been some, some improvements. Yeah, there, there definitely has. And, you know, there are, there are some really great people in the VA. Um, an example is last month, um, Texas had their um, statewide yearly suicide symposium. And it was, you know, it was just outside of San Antonio. So I went to it and the executive director for suicide prevention for the VA was there and he spoke and I like, I asked him some questions and talked to him and the dude is like insanely intelligent (laughs) and hugely committed to suicide prevention. And like in a way that when you hear him talk and you ask him questions and have a conversation, you're like, the guy gets it and he's doing what he can in any way possible to make it better for everyone. And like that is inspiring to hear that somebody that high up is like that passionate and committed to that kind of work and saying like, I'm going to do what I can to to truly make a difference for this. So like there's folks like that there and you know, that's important. No, it it is because it is like ground level work, and it takes a lot of advocacy. And obviously, everything comes down down to money. How how if you gotta like raise it somehow, or like funding from from the government, state, local. So it's uh, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and I know from when I hear like when like the the federal government passes like their their budgets and stuff and I see all this money going going into Department of Defense and it's like get some of that money from the VA so they can get, like, fix these buildings and veterans can get all this care like you're right like put us such high pedestal and like you know Veterans Day and Memorial Day of course oh, big important days and, and, and rightfully yeah. so like I've, I've had a couple family members like my mom's cousins, like like serving in you know, Korea, and, and then I got had like high school uh, classmates that that served for a little bit. So um, I had a high school friend that did like two tours of of, of Iraq and a, a tour of Afghanistan. And it was like he was ready to go back. I'm like, <laughs> like here, it might like being like the the you. You know, just the, the the outsider, just to be like, are you nuts? Like you're telling me you got hit with a roadside bomb and like you're ready to go back for like another tour? It's like, yeah, <laughs> man, I I used to be like that. I have clients that uh, are like that, and it's a difficult thing to get past and through to to the point of like, 
Uh, I don't need to have my life in danger on a constant basis and being shot at to feel like my world makes sense. That like saying that sounds pretty. That's powerful insane. right there. Yeah. Right? Staying powerful is like. Yeah. And a lot of the, the veterans I work with that say those things, um, you know, what we identify often, what's missing is the, the, the intimate connection between people that's needed, you know, and it's not in, in a lot of times when we say intimate connections, people think about, a, you know, romantic. Like an, a romantic, intimate partner type of relationship. And it's not right. Other men, men have to have intimate relationships with other men. That's part, that's a, that's a big piece that's missing in this country that you can tell another man, Hey dude, I love you. Or like, you look like, dude, your clothes are like, you look really good today. Right. And spend time and have intimate conversations and cry and laugh and do all of the things, experience all of the emotions that we have as human beings and, you know, have hugs and spend time together in a true human way, right? That's what part of that experience is when you're over in Afghanistan, Iraq, or other parts of the world that we have been in and your life is in danger, right? That, that part of that takes place, but it takes a place in a way that's very toxic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to use the word trauma bonding, because that that's more about like an abuser and abusive abused relationship type of thing. But the experience of going through those things bonds people in a way that's hard to replicate Yeah, because we have been so disconnected from each other and ourselves. And so it's reconnecting people with themselves, with other people, with a community that, cares for them right because oftentimes we talk about like especially social workers we talk about self-care like do self-care what are you doing for self-care like it's great we all need self-care and at the same time we know how to take care of ourselves i know what i need and i know how to take care of myself right what i what i don't what i don't have and what i do need is a community that cares for me that comes and says, Hey, Eric, what do we like? Let's take care of you. Right. Part of that is being able to say, you know, what are the, is your work-life balance helpful? If it's not, how can we make your work less impactful? How can we make your employment not so burdensome that you can enjoy your life and pay your bills at the same time? Mm -hmm. right and I, like going back to the beginning of our discussion of being in private practice one of the only reasons that i'm able to is because i did retire from the army and i have a rating for disability from the va so i have income outside of the work i do it's like do i want to be paid what i'm worth as a social worker and a therapist a hundred percent because we are all underpaid in the mental health field yes Absolutely. Like, this is not even a discussion, really. Mm -hmm. 
and the retirement and the disability that I get is because of the other career that I had mm-hmm. and which enables me to do my private practice and not have to depend on that solely to pay my bills. Right. It, like I, I tell people it's like a universal basic, basic income for me. So <laughs> like, I believe in that thing a hundred percent, you know, universal basic income, Medicare for all, that's what I have. Mm. And it like, is it the best thing in the world? No, but it works. I get my basic needs met by those things. And I believe that everyone else should have a way to get their basic needs met without having to uh, destroy themselves almost in order to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, real quick, I want I want to touch on um, you know private practice in terms yeah. of uh, dealing with the uh, insurance and getting reimbursed you know, regarding your work. How how yeah. how's that like for you uh, in, in San Antonio? And, Man, it you know, it's difficult because you don't know all the things like I never knew I needed to have a CAQH and get an NPI, right? And if, as a business owner, if I want to, you know, have my my company be credentialed with insurance, I have to get a type two NPI. And then, you know, I have to go to each insurance company to get credential with them. And they're all, all their processes are different, mm-hmm. right? And they take however long, it's not transparent. And when you get done, like when you get credentialed, it's like, hey, congratulations, you're credentialed. We just start taking people from our insurance. And their pay systems are all different. And how to file claims and what they're looking for and all the rules that they have there's not a good way to figure out what they are, right? Um, an example, I think that I'm, one of the ones that I'm struggling with right now is TRICARE, right? I got credential to TRICARE because I see I'm gonna take veterans and service members or their families um, and a lot of them have TRICARE. And there, I have spent probably a good month trying to figure out exactly what I need to do in order to file a claim the right way and have all the systems set up so that I can get paid for the work that I, that I do with, uh, with service member or a veteran. And there's like there, the information they have is so generic and broad in general that it's unhelpful. So, so how how you expect to get your money? Like, it's gonna take you a month just to do one claim. And for example, if you see somebody like even like every two weeks, if you're not seeing a yeah. person weekly, then like not only you gotta do like the notes for, your, for the sessions, but then like following right. all those claims, you're constantly gonna be behind and. Yeah, not seeing that money for for that particular client or family. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I did when I started this was uh, I didn't. I start. I took Fridays off, 
and saying I took Fridays off means I don't see clients or patients on Fridays, right? So Monday through Thursday is when I, when I see my, when I see people, um, Fridays is when I do everything else that I need to do if I need it, right? I try to get what I need done during the weekdays, right? If somebody no shows or they cancel last minute or like I don't have somebody scheduled and there's a gap, right? You know, I try to get notes done, file claims, do all the things I need to do during those times. But if I don't, I know that I have Friday to do a bulk of that. And it gives me a three-day weekend every week that I'm not sitting in front of somebody having to do the emotional labor that we need to do, mm-hmm. which takes a toll, Absolutely. right? Um, and there's been times when I thought to myself, maybe I could start seeing people on Friday. And then within five minutes, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you practice self-care doing it. <laughs> absolutely, man. I, I realized one of the things that, it, that works for me for self-care is a three-day weekend. And I'm like, I've gotten to the point where I'm not budget. That's my boundary. And I'm like, it's not, I'm not. I'm not going away from it. No, that, no, that that's that's good. Then yeah. that's, that's something uh, a lot of us are striving for is like setting those boundaries. What what is what is that? What what are your absolute like no's and yeah? I know, like for myself, like like I've had jobs that I had to work on a Saturday, and you know I had like Mondays off. I was like, no, I'm not ever work trying to work on a weekend ever again yeah. <laughs> in a social work job unless, yeah. unless it's for me in my own business then that's different but yeah. non-profit or anything like that in terms of social service agencies like no that's absolute no yeah. especially during the fall when I'm not missing my college, <laughs> fo- my college football my college basketball <laughs> to do oh, social yeah. work <laughs> hey that's self-care man you got to do what yeah. you need to like be present when you need to be present no, absolutely yeah um where where can people find you um so i am in a lot of places obviously psychology today is a pretty popular um place there um i do have a website um which needs a lot of work because i'm doing it all by myself so it's not the greatest place <laughs> you and me both uh, for you pain <laughs> yeah yeah um but i think one of the places i I just got onto was WebMD. Mm. Um, so, which I, I didn't know until just recently that um, we could be on WebMD. And I was like, oh, really? So, yeah, I, I think probably the best place to, and easiest that folks know to find somebody is either Psychology Today or WebMD. And, you know, um, I didn't know therapists could be on WebMD. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, they have a free version and a paid version. I'm doing the paid version right now just to see how it, how it works, um, to see what the throughput is. Because when I talked to, when I initially sat down with their one of their folks, um, they were kind of telling me some of the analytics and they were, and they, they just did a quick little search, nothing in depth. And we're like, um, because they, they have two sites that they operate WebMD and, uh, shoot, I already forgot the other one. There's, so there's two sites Mm -hmm. that they operate. Right. And 
you I get listed on both of those. Okay. Right? So on both WebMD and that other site, in just a month in the San Antonio area, there was 16,000 people looking for mental health services. Mm. But that's a lot. No, How many of those? Yeah, 16,000 is a lot, right? You know, we have a population of, uh, I, th I think we're a little over 2 million here in this area. Um, and so 16,000 is a lot. And, you know, who knows how many of those actually like went through and are, are connected to services and getting the help they need, right? So that was one of the reasons I chose to say, hey, let me pay for this for a while and see what the analytics look like and the throughput that I get from it. Um, because 16,000 is a lot of people. <laughs> no, it is. Let's, let me let me catch some of those. That's, that's like a whole NBA or arena full, full of people to be seeking therapy <laughs> sessions. So it's, yeah. it's, like I said, we have a huge mental health crisis in, in this country is only going to get get worse and and yeah. politicians like governor abbott is like yeah. made things even more worse or worse yeah. to get those services that the people need and the people yeah. need it they'll you know wake up and kind of see that so people are waking up slowly and just certain segments of the population need to yeah. really wake up and kind of see that Spotless is hurting down as much yeah. as everybody else. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. Um, the I, my business name is Unbound Minds. So if you look on Facebook, um, Twitter, or not, I'm not on Twitter with that. So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Those are the social medias right now okay. that I use. So Unbound Minds. And then, you know, you can look for me on Psychology Today or WebMD. You know, Eric Morris in San Antonio, Texas, licensed clinical social worker. Um, if you see my face <laughs> and you watch the video, you'll know what to look for. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Keep up the great work. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Bass, it was great talking to you, man. Likewise.